0: Morning from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day, then everyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved this is the word of god for the people of god so we're reading from this book acts of the apostles i've told you before luke we believe is the author In chapter 1, he tells us that these disciples, the 11 and others who are with them, are told to wait there in Jerusalem, waiting on the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke calls it the promise of the Father. And he says this Holy Spirit's going to come upon them and make them witnesses to all Jerusalem, but not only Jerusalem, but Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They have one problem. Judas is gone. 12 kind of being the whole number 12 being the number that Jesus chose for the disciple band they need to add one more disciple back they discuss it they pray about it they cast lots they say we need someone who's been with us from the beginning they have two guys that qualify in that way after they've prayed and cast lots they believe God has directed them to choose one called Matthias he becomes the 12th disciple So the band of disciples is complete once again. Luke describes the disciple band now devoting themselves to prayer and poise for action. That's the end of chapter 1. Then we started today with the very first verse of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had come. When the day of Pentecost had come. Now Luke's already told us that the risen Christ appeared to these disciples over a period of 40 days, so you can think of it as a significant period of time. But this is 50 days after Passover or Easter for us that they are gathered together. As Christians, we celebrate Pentecost as the birthday of the church, but before we get there, we need to remember that the Jews already had a holiday or a holy day they're already gathered together to celebrate in their own way what they call the festival of weeks but either way we're 50 days later after a significant event the Jews are gathering to celebrate the giving of the law giving of the law to Moses by which they could live by which God would guide them it is interesting to note the similarities between the Jews celebrating the giving of the law and the description of Pentecost. So Exodus 19 is where you find the story of them receiving the law. And what the author says is that God descended upon the gathered people. There was fire on the mountain and smoke and a loud sound like a trumpet blowing. And the people experienced those as signs of the presence of god and then the story we read today luke writes a similar story right he says they're all gathered together just like exodus 19 they're waiting on god and luke says god descends upon them like tongues of fire landing on each one of them and there's a loud sound again this time like the rushing of a wind pouring through the house But the key part we're supposed to pick up on is the conclusion. They conclude that this is the presence of God coming upon them to empower them to be witnesses to the world that God loves us and that God is revealing that through Jesus Christ in His life and His death and His life beyond death. We are to be those who are waiting for the presence of God. The ones who have opened ourselves to the power of God working in our lives, leading us, guiding us, empowering us to be God's people. Once these first disciples receive the power of the Holy Spirit, they begin to tell the story of God's work through Jesus Christ. They begin to witness or tell, or share the story of God's love that's come alive in their lives and can come alive in others' lives as well. This is the definitive act of moving these disciples from an inward focus to an outward focus, from only worrying about themselves to thinking about what God wants to do through them in the lives of others. At this point, after this Experience of Pentecost, they become active witnesses, right? They've been hiding out, fearful of what's going to happen to them up until this point. And all of a sudden, there's this great shift in their mentality and they become bold witnesses to the resurrection, to God's love being alive in the world. And when they become these active witnesses, we mark that as the birthday of the church. It's Pentecost. We are witnesses to Jesus Christ. That's the definition of the church. And it happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you come to church on Pentecost, you should say to yourself, It's my birthday. It's your birthday, church. We come together in the presence of God, believing that God has brought us together and will empower us and send us out to be witnesses to God's love in the world. For the church, though, to continue to have birthdays, we too need to experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives, just like these early disciples experienced in our story we read today from acts story i read not long ago told about a successful businessman who began to visit a church he really enjoyed the fellowship and the preaching so before very long he calls the pastor and says i want to join the church well that's a call every pastor loves to get it's like all right affirmation another one joining us so the pastor said that would be fantastic when do you want to do it and he said well I need to tell you a few things. I've enjoyed the fellowship, but don't expect me to serve on any committees. I'm very busy. I can't really come to meetings in the evenings either either as a committee person or to work on the grounds or to be in a Bible study because I work really long hours. And even though I'm a very successful businessman, don't expect me to make any financial contributions because between just you and me, I'm a little overextended pastor thought for a moment and he said i know you've enjoyed the fellowship at our church but i think you're at the wrong church i think you're looking for the church down the street a few blocks let me suggest that tomorrow when you're out and about you come down to the church but then drive three more blocks past our church there's another church there on the ride right. i think that's the church you're looking for and the man was kind of surprised but he said okay and the pastor said, after you go and visit, just let me know what you think. So the next day, the man's out and about in his car, drives down to the church, goes three more blocks, and he can see another church in the distance, sure enough. But as he pulls up to the church, he sees that the doors are closed and locked. In fact, there's a chain around the handles with a padlock. There's boards over all the windows. And no one's mowed the grass for a long time, and the weeds are growing up in the flower beds. And he's thinking, is this the church the pastor meant for me to go to? It was a dead church. It is no longer celebrating birthdays. Something happened there. ...where they were no longer experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit... ...and the building is left, but the people are gone. Acts is full of stories of how God works through people to reach other people. These stories tell us that when these disciples become convinced that God is alive and at work in the world they can hardly wait to tell somebody else. And it's not just the early church. That's the paradigm for all churches is that God works through us to do the ministry of Jesus Christ. We call ourselves the body of Christ. We're to embody that spirit which we come to know in Jesus Christ but which was clearly alive in the early days of the church. We are the ones that are being being prepared to do god's work to be witnesses to the faith but many of you are longtime methodists like me we've kind of gotten out of the habit of being the witnesses somewhere along the way we began to think evangelism is a bad word believing someone else is going to be the witness to jesus christ but i tell you if you read through this book of acts it's just one story after another after another after another of god's presence and power gripping a person's heart and them sharing the love of god in the name of christ with somebody else it says they came to believe that god had raised christ from the dead and that god was at work in their midst and even had more work yet to be done and as they came to believe that and prayed about it God gave each of them gifts so that they could share this good news with others. All through the Christian scriptures, it talks about that God gives each of us gifts so that we might embody that love of God that we have come to know in Christ in such a way that others get to hear about it as well. Who's going to hear about Boston Avenue Church if you and I don't tell them? And don't expect just me or just the pastors to do that work. It's the work of us all. I am the church, but you are the church. We are the church together. It's interesting to see that as we read these stories, what we learn is that God's Holy Spirit Empowered these early disciples, empowered them to do what they thought they could not do. They were afraid and in hiding. And all of a sudden, after they have the experience of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, they move out into public to share their story. It happens in all kinds of different ways. And what I'm suggesting to you is the gospel says it can happen for us just as it happened for those early disciples. I've put several names of disciples that are talked about in this book of Acts in your outline. Peter, the one we heard from today, is one who stands up and speaks publicly in several of the stories in Acts. He's the one who's proclaiming the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. That's one way to witness But most of those stories also say John was right there with him. But John is almost never quoted as saying anything in public. And yet we have a gospel attributed to him. That's some of the most eloquent presentation of the gospel in all of the written word. So maybe John's gift was writing rather than speaking. Maybe he preferred to work in a small group or to send something that he had written to someone else to witness to Jesus Christ. Philip is another one. There's a story about him here in Acts. He's one of the disciples. He's traveling along. He meets a fellow he doesn't know. The guy asks him about his faith. He tells him about it, and the the man's converted. He becomes a follower of Jesus because of Philip's one-on-one conversation, one-on-one conversation experience. By the time we get to chapter 9, we meet somebody named Ananias. Anybody hear that name anyplace else except for in Scripture? I don't know anyone who's named their child Ananias. Maybe in another part of the world, not around here, but Ananias is really important in Acts because Ananias is the one that God calls to speak to this persecutor of the Christians a guy named Saul, it says, was breathing fire and hunting down Christians to put them in prison to stop this message about God working through Jesus Christ. And then this Saul has this experience where he goes blind and he's not sure what is happening. And Ananias is the one that God chooses to explain to Saul, who will become St. Paul, what God is doing. Jesus Christ but again it happens just in a one-on-one kind of conversation in the same chapter we meet Dorcas she is one who weaves fabrics makes clothes and gives them away she's known as a person of a big heart who does acts of charity or acts of good works for others that's her way of witnessing to what she's come to know as God's love alive through Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what is it for you? How might you witness to your faith? Maybe invite someone to worship. Maybe tell somebody about your Sunday school class or small group that you are a part of. Maybe invite someone to join us in July when we're going to package thousands of meals again for those who are starving in other parts of the world. I don't know which way you'll witness to Jesus Christ, but Acts tells us that the tongues of fire touch each one of us. That the power of the Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us. And God has given all of us gifts that we might be witnesses to this love alive in the world. At the bottom of your outline, I put three things that I'm going to ask you to do for the next 30 days. For the next month. First, to think about the setting in which you're most likely to share your faith. To tell your story to someone else. Think about why you're here and what you like about being here, how you were helped or strengthened or encouraged. Share that with someone else. Then the second one is imitate the early disciples and devote yourself to prayer. Make sure you're having a daily time where you're in conversation with God. Ask God to guide you in your efforts and to use you to touch the life of another so that they might come to know God's love and assurance and mercy and forgiveness in their own life and then three expect God to give you an opportunity plus the power to touch another person who is in need of God's love are you ready are you ready to be witnesses would you just say that out loud with out loud with me I am ready I am ready. But I know some of you are thinking, I'm not really ready. (laughs) I'm sorry, David made me say that out loud. But if you're not ready, you're not ready. But let me ask you to keep the outline and to be in prayer, be in conversation with God, opening yourself to how God might speak to you and lead you and guide you. Just as it describes God's Holy Spirit did that for the first disciples. What might happen among us if all of us made that commitment for the next 30 days? That we'd be asking God, show us how, where, whom. That we might share this love of God we've come to know in our own lives. Others might come to faith. We might be drawn closer to God. I believe you'll experience it as a blessing in the prayers in the experience it's exciting when new people come into the family of faith what might happen if all of us committed to praying this way together this story in acts says over and over that the disciples when they gathered and when they were apart were devoted to prayer They were looking for God to speak to them and to lead them that they might live their lives in boldness because of what God had done in raising Christ from the dead. What might happen for the church, for you, for others maybe today unknown. I hope you'll pray with me about that over these next 30 days. Oh man.